0: Hey everyone, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Brand Power Analysis. Today I have on...
1: Oh, uh, Melissa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, today we have on Melissa. Melissa, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself?
1: Um. So I'm a copywriter and a marketing strategist and a semi-retired rugby player. <laughs> um i've been a copywriter for a couple of years now i specialize in sales pages launch copy and launch strategy websites and email marketing primarily for um coaches online service providers and course creators but really passionate entrepreneur is more my umbrella
0: passionate entrepreneur i like that um i know we talked a lot about uh before you jumped on a little bit about athletes and specific, um, and specifically, um, and how that affects leadership roles, um, and how that affects the growing of, of their business and how the impact they can have. So, um, do you, uh, can you talk a little bit about how you and in, in your story on, um, coming up with that conclusion, how do you really feel about that?
1: Yeah, it's a, I never thought that I am, especially for a rugby player, I am very introverted, but I'm not shy. I was for a very long time, but I've always kind of felt like my personalities have, like my interests have clashed a little bit in a way, just because I was there playing rugby for the love of the sport. I made some really great friends with some really cool people along the way. But for me, the main thing was just playing the sport. And I was used to having all these resources and people I could talk to, like I want to work on my tackling, on my kicking, on my passing, whatever, if I didn't have the resources, I could ask somebody else. So when I first got into copywriting and once I invested into a program and started going off on my own after a while, I was like, okay, well, where do I go from here? And sometimes like, I initially feel pretty stuck because I just didn't have a network yet. I didn't know any other copywriters. So you really have to take the initiative and t- do the research to get what you need. Because when you start out, you don't know what you don't know yet. And it can be really frustrating because at least for me, I thought, okay, well, if I don't know how to do something, I know someone who can help me out. Um, but when you're new to business or you're new to any type of new endeavor, you're it's nothing's linear. So it can be, it can be pretty frustrating. So I was used to be able to have like a goal and then having a plan to get there. But entrepreneurship is different because you can still have a goal and a plan, but things aren't going quite the way you want or you realize, Oh, I have to do a little bit more here or do a little bit less there. So it's, it's a lot of, um, trial and error.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How do you feel like that? Uh, how athletes how athletes can uh, overcome overcome that starting off period, or how they can um, learn from some of the mistakes that that you went through.
1: I think the frustration is natural, and I think because we're so competitive, everybody compares themselves to somebody else. But like I think as an athlete, especially like when you're playing at a higher higher level and you're competing for a higher level team, it changes your mindset a bit, and you just like it really lights something up inside you, but at the same time it can get in your own way because you you stay frustrated. You do have to take a moment to kind of calm down and figure out like, okay, like what can I do better? What can I do to take baby steps to get to this big goal rather than trying to take these huge leaps when I'm not quite prepared to do that yet? um and then just trying to find good networking events people to network with because not every networking event is going to be good for you depending on what you do or maybe even depending on your personality some people don't like online networking events some people love them same thing for in person um but you really have to get really clear on like what type of business you want to have like what your personality is and just play to your strengths like I I tell this to my clients all the time like like especially in rugby like I'm not a big player (laughs) I'm five foot three and one fifteen. So like I'm I'm not intimidated. I'm well aware. But like I've still tackled some really big girls and like, girls who are a lot stronger than me because I am not approaching it the way like I am not a hard hitter. So if someone's running straight at me, I'm gonna have a really hard time making that tackle. So I usually have to do with I kind of wait for them to take a step or two. And then I could go and tackle it. I'm still stopping the try, like I'm still helping out the team, but I know that like I can't run through somebody. So like if I'm an officer example, I'm not gonna be able to run through a crowd of people i try to set somebody up like run through a gap and that's how i approach my business too i'm not um great with like social media copies so something i really had to study (laughs) because writing for yourself is just it's just very different i really love the teaching and like master classes and coming on podcasts but i'm not great recording myself on video for real so i just don't haven't done them yet because I still need to build up those skills but I know I'm a good writer I know that like I connect really well with people in the small group settings or one-on-one so you really have to analyze yourself but because it's such a different environment um it might take a little bit of time to realize like okay I'm actually really good at this and I'm not great at this but I can work on both and just focus on one for now or focus on both However, you want to do it
0: I love what you said there about uh kind of getting out of your own way, because I feel like there's a correlation between athletes as they evolve um, and business owners themselves. And so when business, when athletes become business owners, I I feel like it somewhat becomes an even bigger problem. Um, What are some, what are some things that, that you could see athletes could take advantage of to get out of their own way?
1: I think changing your perspective a little bit. And just kind of see, like, even if it's just you and if you're a solopreneur there, it's still in a way like a team aspect. There are so many different parts that go into a business versus when you're on a team, you usually have one pretty defined role. Um, like I was a tri-sport, like I was faster than most players on my team. So like I would count on my teammates to set me up and then I would do what I needed to do and what I was good at. But when you're a business owner and by yourself, there's a lot more than you have to do. And it, it is really overwhelming. Um, but really taking the time to make a list of everything that you need to do and just sticking to it and then finding the right resources if you need to at some point really helps you out because mindset I know is is really important I kind of underestimated it a little bit when I first started out just because I didn't think it was particularly important to me but I do credit rugby um, a lot towards that because it has helped a lot with like my confidence as a person, because um, like I mentioned, I was very shy growing up and then playing a sport that like that's that rough. It just kind of didn't <laughs> really make sense. But like I've because of the sport, I've also done a lot of things like I didn't think I would be able to do. So that's helped me with my mindset, like in business as well. So I've never seen myself uh, taken on a challenge with my work and thought like oh I can't do that I'm not good enough to do that yet I always think I am good at what I do this is why I'm continuing to get clients I might not know how to do x y and z yet but I know I will be able to so you really have to still like believe in yourself but be really particular about the negative self-talk that we all do when we mess up on the field (laughs) because when you do it a lot to yourself in business because it's just you you'll you might, there's a good chance that, that you'll get stuck and you'll get used to talking to yourself like that. Like you do have to be a good boss to yourself.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's something else that you said, you said within that, that, uh, I love to dive deeper into and It's the, the concept of, of athletes, um, not doing everything themselves, but how you have specific spots on the field and it's very similar in business. You don't want to take it all on at once. So it may, made me really start to start to think about the different positions um, within a business as you grow past, you know, we'll say a personal brand to much more of a corporate type brand uh, status. Um can you uh articulate a little bit more on your thought process and how athletes that specifically within mindset, because I feel like it's a huge mindset shift to go from that personal brand to that corporate brand status. Um, how, how you have helped athletes achieve that or certain things that athletes can do to kind of get to that point of, um, making that shift.
1: Yeah. I do think that a lot of people unintentionally, make their business very much about themselves, which isn't a bad thing, but a lot of people start the businesses like out of passion or for the financial freedom. And then once they go to the point where they need a team, they get really, they can get pretty reluctant to want to outsource or to hire other people because you do have to have like your SOPs in place. Like you have to have a process for every single thing and you have to kind of step into it's, it's still like being on a team, but it's a little bit different because, in a way like you're basically the coach now and you're the the team leader so you have to carry yourself differently and put yourself in the mind like okay what would my what would my coach do like one of my really good friends is a coach at Grand Canyon University their women's rugby team and it's helped her her out a lot with her own game as a rugby player too just because when you're a coach and you're observing everything you do have to watch everyone in a different way rather than like when you're in it and you're really excited so it does change your mindset a bit and it does take some time and some practice but again organizing yourself and making sure you have a clear system for everything if you're a good boss to yourself and you learn how to do that i think it's it won't be as much of a difficult transition when you do start hiring people and you are bringing on people that have similar values to you and like really want to watch the team grow.
0: That's beautiful, yeah. And uh, the leadership was a was a big was a big thing that you talked about there. Uh, and uh, I know that I've seen it quite a bit, but I, I'd love to I'd love to hear your uh, idea on how athletes, what kind of traits from the game um, could they look back on and utilize. Um, to have a stronger, um, impact, uh, once they reach, once they reach out and create their own business.
1: Yeah. I think two big ones, at least for me are assertiveness and resourcefulness. I don't know if that's the word I'm looking for, but assertiveness, but like not in a way that makes you sound arrogant or makes you seem bossy, but like you do have to learn, especially because you're not an employee anymore, that since you're the one leading everything, you're leading the sales car, you're leading the project, you're leading everything. So that's a little bit of a of a, a weird shift initially, but people also take you a lot more seriously when you're the one showing up saying like, this is what I do, this is what I'm good at, this is what I analyze, this is how I believe the product should go, but like still being open to feedback rather than just kind of waiting for them to tell you what to do or waiting for for them to give suggestions you do have to get really specific and it works that way on the field too like miscommunication happens all the time like my I'm pretty positive the reason I have a back injury is from a we were at nationals with my one of my teams and I told my teammate to go in and I was gonna ruck for her and she just thought I wanted the ball I was right on the silence so I couldn't go anywhere and this girl laid me out so bad at Ecuador in the Stadium. And it was just a miscommunication, like the game kept going, like we still how to do what we needed to do. Um, But that, that happens all the time and it happens in business and that's okay. You just have to get up. <laughs> And do it over again and then just learn from your mistakes and also just see like what other people are good at. Like there are times um, like I remember a year ago I was playing in New Mexico. I could have scored. I dummy the ball and then I was going to straighten up. But the girl didn't quite bite enough for me to go through. But I saw the girl that was on my wing. because I was playing scrum half. She had the whole field to herself. So like I held it a little bit longer and then I just passed her the ball. And then she scored like a like a 40, 50 meter try because you have to learn um that sometimes you're not going to be the best person for whatever it is that you do maybe someone else in your team handles something a lot better because they really enjoy it um so that's another really big thing
0: that's interesting you say that I I, I played uh I played soccer myself and uh I I, I was a defender uh I still play indoor now that I, at my old age now just to kind of get some of that, <laughs> get some of that workout in which i'm not as i'm not as fast as i used to be but i was always that bulky guy and uh uh my biggest thing was that i had to get over was i would get very you could say sad but you could just say it, i always felt like when the 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 other team scored on us it was it was it was my fault We'll just say oh, that, perfect. but mm-hmm. you know, you said it's teamwork. You have to kind of learn that. Hey, it goes both ways. If the offense was scoring, then I wouldn't necessarily feel as bad That's about. Yeah, know, exactly. the, you know, But but vice versa, like they depend on us, and so it comes back to those those positional those positional points in a business. And I'd love to hear a little bit about um how you somewhat how copywriting is somewhat, how your copywriting, uh, field in, in particularly from a creative side, have, you've utilized it to help, help athletes in general. Like what can you give some, um, possibly give some pointers to some of the athletes out there. What, what types of copywriting tricks do they need to look out for, um, uh, mindset things around copywriting, um, anything that you feel would help athletes?
1: Copywriting is one of those weird things that it's something that every business could use, but they might not know what it is, or they might not know it exists. <laughs> so at first they, they're like, oh, they, copywriting. They definitely,
0: they, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, they definitely <laughs> uh, misplace it with content writing, or yep. uh, there, there's so many different terms for it. And they Yeah. So first, why don't you give a little bit of a definition of the difference between copywriting and content writing?
1: There is a little bit of uh, of an overlap content writing. You can see it as like indirect sales. So a blog, for example, that's still at the end. We'll have a little blurb about who you are and what you do. But copywriting, it the intent is to sell, to convert someone to do something, whether it's to click a link, to buy your product, book a call with you. Um, so that's more so like sales pages, sales emails. Um, and then websites too are great for conversion. And it's not as simple as just kind of throwing a bunch of words on a website. (laughs) You want to think about like where the placement of the word is, like the bolding, the underline, the stylization, um, and then guiding the reader and all that stuff. Um, I know, especially when people are writing their own copy for the first time, it's really easy to get stuck because you're so close to it. And if your branding isn't established yet, then it's a lot more difficult to do. You have to have your voice be pretty clear. And like I, I I really struggled with this when I first started running my website. So I was like, well, what do I, how do I want to sound like? So I do talk like pretty casually, but I was a paralegal for eight years before I was a copywriter. So it was really hard to get out of that habit of sounding like an, an old person in court. <laughs> so you do want to take some time to like, think about your ideal client, like who you're targeting and like being an athlete, like a lot of people have played sports throughout their lives, but that's something that's a big part of you. I think you should incorporate that in your branding. Like I include sports terminology in my branding a bit. Not, I don't like to go overboard with it, but like I do have it like thrown in there because it is a big part of my life because you do want to make your branding to be pretty personal to you. And then it just makes it easier to write um, the copy that you continue writing, whether it's your blogs or your emails or um, whenever you're networking with somebody. Um, There's another thing I was going to say that I think athletes just tend to be like pretty secure with themselves but in a but in a really healthy way and I think that confidence really helps out a lot of business owners because like at least like in the copywriting world a lot of copywriters are introverts and I would consider myself to be about 95% introverted (laughs) but because I'm not shy anymore I, I feel pretty comfortable talking to just about anybody but it's it's hard to get out of your comfort zone. And I think for athletes, it's a little bit easier because you're kind of used to like talking to a teammate or like asking a coach something. So it doesn't it doesn't feel as limiting, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I think you brought up a good point there. Uh is when you're when you're in the game, um college, professional, or wh- wherever you're at in the stage, it, it feels so easy and uh Refreshing to be able to go to a coach or a trainer and ask them their opinion because they're the experts, right? And mm-hmm. so, but when an, an athlete kind of becomes a business owner, and and this isn't just for athletes, I I see it, and this is why it correlates so well within sports is that athletes tend to um think that oh this is all on myself um I have to do this on it the, and there's a there's a stubbornness to it there's a there's a that getting in your own way um getting own. so is there is there any any way that um uh, when it comes to building content and this isn't just for copywriting, let's say on your website, but let's say a social media post or being a, being your authentic self that some tricks that can help athletes kind of, like you said, you brought up a lot how you had eight years of a certain way you were presenting yourself. Your personal brand grew and it changed to where you are now as a, as a copywriter and an athlete. How did you, what are some things that you did during that process that helped you overcome some of the challenges?
1: Uh, to be honest, it felt like a little bit like a rebranding, like not quite a crisis, but <laughs> I was always Melissa the copper, uh, the the rugby player, and then I was Melissa the copper, and I was like, oh, this is just so different. Um, and it felt like, I, in a way, I was losing a big part of myself, because initially when I went full-time into my business, I thought, okay, well, I'll just take like a season off, and then I'll be able to get back into playing full-time, but the reality is, especially when you're a solopreneur, you do everything by yourself, so it's not just the the money aspect of dropping a lot of money to go to a random tournament during the weekend is the time thing. Like I would have to be gone three hours a night, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So three hours each and then the entire weekend. And then I play the entire year. So it's just didn't really make sense for me to continue to do both. So it felt very odd for like all my stuff to always be rugby related. And now all of a sudden it was business <laughs> related. It was uh like stepping into a new character in a way, like even though it's still me, like I've been writing my entire life. So like that wasn't new. It just wasn't something that was well known. Um, so like, I did have to take some time to like batch all my content and think like, OK, so what is my ideal client? How do I want to talk to them and how can I show up to them as an expert? Because you don't want to give information that's super generic. But because you're an expert, a lot of things that seem pretty basic to you could be life changing for somebody else. So just having, trying to keep like an open conversation going, if possible, is really useful and just not necessarily talking to people in the way of thinking like, oh, I need to solve to them. I need to get them to book something with me and just kind of approaching it. as like, oh, they're just a new, they're another human being. And like, I could probably learn something from them or just maybe like gain a new business friend, for example, that really goes a long way. Like all of, all of my business has been through referrals. And a few of them have been from people I've only met like once or twice, but they just thought it was cool. <laughs> that's why they referred me, and like I never considered myself to be like super interesting or anything. But it's nice how people can remember you that way. And like part of the reason that I married the rugby player, rugby playing copywriter concept is because that's how people remember me. Like when I go to networking events, somebody told me, once it's like oh, you're the copywriter that plays rugby." I'm like, "Yep." Yeah. I did not remember him. (laughs) He was at some place where I, I gave like a presentation or something and that's how you remembered me So try to find something that's like a little bit unique about you and put that concept together with your business. Cause especially for people who have been playing a sport for so long, that's become such a big part of your identity. You don't have to quite let it go. It can still be part of you. Maybe you'll be playing less. It kind of sucks. I mean, like I do miss it, but I've had a lot of injuries. (laughs) My body's very tired but it is also very fulfilling to just create something that's completely your own.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now you said something there, there, that, uh, I've kind of seen quite a bit that the, the, I'm not going to say the media, but just, just out there in the wild, we'll say has been on the top of my mind for the last couple of years. And, uh, athletes do have uh this ability to build better referral bases than a lot of other people they do because they meet a lot of people in the game they have a lot of media exposure and things of that nature when it comes to online and the digital marketing side and the copywriting side uh how do you feel like that somewhat relates because i see personally a lot of athletes uh be like oh just post for me or just do this just do that and They're at a pivotal point in the business where referrals are great and they can still come, but referrals aren't going to last forever. And so um, when do you feel is a good time for athletes to start thinking outside of the referral box a little bit? Not totally because referrals are 100 percent key for athletes, but uh, start thinking a little bit more on other online business tactics like copywriting, SEO, Mm-hmm. advertisement and things of that nature.
1: I think creating your own automated funnel is super important. And I don't think if there's ever a time that's necessarily too early to do it. Uh, like if you can go to in-person networking events and just be people there and have referrals that way and have an automated funnel at the same time, like I think that's ideal. Um, it took me a while to get my own started just because I... Put it off for a little bit too long, but because it's automated, like it does a lot of the work for you. And like, if you're able to just like show up and be yourself, like people really like that. Like, you don't have to just be like another just boring, dry business owner that's online. It's like, hey, this is my name, this is what I do. Like, don't be afraid to actually sound like yourself and talk the way you do. And a lot of people get tripped up on that when they're writing their own copy because they they want to write it like an essay, and it really isn't like that at all even though we've all been taught that <laughs> since we were kids you want to break up the text you want to sound colloquial if that's how you're coming off some people they're um, very into a certain thing like harry potter for example so they'll have harry potter references all over the place or sports references all over the place so you really want to make it unique um to you but also just kind of get that so people can just remember you i mean finding the right type of networking event. It's also really key because sometimes they're too big or they're a little bit too small. you don't you never want to be the most experienced person in the room and because like it is nice initially because you are like helping out other entrepreneurs, but it can hinder your growth because you're also setting your own goals and you also want to reach them and it's absolutely great to be able to help out other people who um haven't accomplished as much as you have, but you also want to be mindful that you have your own goals as well.
0: Uh, yeah that uh, brought up a lot. We could bring up a lot there, but let's get into your funnel a little bit. uh how do you just so anyone on here can kind of get an idea if they're just starting out, can you uh, maybe give a little bit of an explanation on how you came up with your funnel um no matter what you know output it is and how you uh, how you set your goals to achieve um starting to get the those referrals in?
1: Yeah. Um, So the way I usually explain the funnel is like, you know, like the top of the funnel, it's a bunch of people, but you want to target people that are towards the middle. So they're more problem aware or they're solution aware. So these are people who have done their research. So that will really change up your messaging. And you want to be really clear on that rather than trying to appeal to everybody. Uh, The way I normally teach it is that you definitely want to have a website. And you want to have some type of opt-in page and have some type of lead magnet and then have a welcome email sequence. Um, I have two welcome email sequences, one for my freebie and then one just for anyone who wants to opt-in. But welcome sequences, they don't have to be, I think people tend to overthink them a lot. And just because, again, they're writing for their own business and they're like, well, I don't know what to write. Am I supposed to write 10 emails? <laughs> Am I supposed to write like five? It really varies. Like i tell people all the time, that, like if you have a, a free download, for example, and you only have enough content for like three emails, that's completely okay. You can automate it, look at the analytics, give it some time to see how it works, test it out, and then adjust your copy to whatever... Um, needs whatever gaps need to be filled or you can expand on it later. Not everybody needs to have a a email sequence, for example, Um, but you do want to automate everything as much as possible. Your homepage, you want to give just enough information for people to be intrigued, but they need to understand what you're doing, but not so much information. They're like, okay, well, now what do I do? (laughs) The goal is to collect emails or to book a call So you can build your email list and you can really build that relationship because a lot of sales and businesses is relationship building. And I think a lot of newer business owners and maybe even, I think athletes too, we we get a little bit impatient and we think, okay, well, like, I know this person can do this. I know this person who can do this. Like it, it is a little bit of a learning process to learn how to properly nurture a relationship because sometimes it's just nice to have a conversation with somebody and that can lead to an opportunity down the line.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Uh, no, that's, that's some, that's some great insight. I love how you brought up um, the goals and, and and basically back to that, get out of your own way perspective, like, Hey, you know, and it is hard as a business owner. I mean, I go through it all the time as well. You know, mm-hmm. like I think uh, a painter doesn't paint his own house. I was trying to come up with a sports analogy there, but I couldn't <laughs> think of one on top of my head. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think that um, goals Let, let's, let's, Let's talk a little bit about goals because I feel like they're very underutilized when it comes to um, business. Is there any particular personal strategy or certain type of way that you sit down and write your goals short-term, long-term? I personally use the Grit scale, but uh, what is something that that you utilize?
1: I um, actually was in a webinar for copywriters. It was... I think about a year ago, and they they talked a lot about, they call them tiny habits. And like generally, I guess, as a society, we, we love to celebrate really big things like a graduation, a wedding, like new birth, all that stuff. And we don't celebrate little things, even if they are still achievements. So the whole purpose of tiny habits is to think of um, something you need to get done for the day. And then the really small thing, You need to do to get you closer to that goal. So it kind of like essentially just breaks down a goal into something that's way more bite-sized. So you're taking a bunch of baby steps to reach that goal rather than overwhelming yourself with five different goals that you're trying to achieve. And then you burn out because you don't have enough time (laughs) to be able to get to everything. So I like to break down my goals by the quarter, then by the month, and then by the week. And then from the week, I adjust it a little bit depending on the day. Um, but that's how I always schedule my weeks. But I really liked the the mindset of the tiny habits, because it makes it so much easier to feel like you're actually getting somewhere because it's so easy, especially if you're by yourself, it's so easy to think, oh, I haven't, it's been however many months and I haven't finished this goal. For example, when in reality, you have accomplished a lot. You're kind of you're wrapped up in the bigger things that haven't happened yet, rather than taking the time to look at the things that you have done. So a habit that I've gone into is I have a business journal. I only write in it once a month, and it's only about business stuff. So the right side is my to-do list for the day and my to-do list for the next day, and on the left side I just write a whole page of what's going on. So like the bad stuff, the good stuff, like my goals or whatever, and it's really interesting to see how much can change even like within a month or two when I'm like really looking forward to something or I'm worried about something that doesn't even matter later on because I already accomplished it. But like in the present, I'm thinking like, Oh, I haven't done anything. (laughs) But then just like looking back at it, it's really cool to see how much I've grown even like in a, in a short amount of time.
0: Yeah, I have I I don't know if you've ever seen this and no, this is not an affiliate. Uh, I have the, (laughs) the athlete Eds oh, journal. And I, yeah. I do the, a very similar situation. I have a uh, everyday affirmations grateful that short-term goal you were talking about. And then I go through every, every night and I write my, my achievements. So, but that just goes to show you how important, how important goal setting is. And I think that it, it, uh, I, I, it's definitely something that I, and something that I uh, want to get into a little bit with you is the, uh, that stage situation that we talked about. But uh when did you really start feeling like, because you brought it up at the beginning, but mindset. Like when I first started, I thought mindset was a gimmick. I, I did too. I was like, oh, gimmick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mindset. Yeah, I don't, I don't need mindset. And I, I feel like a lot of people do because they associate it with a lot of uh fake gurus when in reality, when in reality a lot of the people that Once you reach a certain spot in business, and it it could vary for a lot of people depending on where they're at, but um, a mindset shift needs to take place. And so um, when did you really feel like journaling and time scheduling and all that stuff really became important um, within the growth of, of your brand?
1: I think it initially started, I did invest in a business course specifically for copywriters, which is super beneficial just because um, like I was mentioning before, like you start your business because you're passionate about something, but you don't know anything about the business side of things. (laughs) So it can be really overwhelming. So that helped put in the pieces that I needed to do, like create all my templates, do all my systems and all that stuff. And then I started thinking like, okay, well maybe I should document this because like I used to keep journals all the time as a kid, but I don't know if I want to do a daily journal. So thought at the very least weekly or monthly, say, just kind of started off as a thing. Like I thought, okay, this would be kind of nice to do. But then I, I I, really enjoyed it. Um, I liked seeing my growth from that perspective because for me, at least personally, like I don't necessarily need the external validation, but like I want to see for myself, okay, I've been able to like check this off, have <laughs> my goal list. I've been able to check this thing off, Um. Because, yeah, like you said, like in the beginning, I thought, mindset, I'm like, oh, like, I don't think I I really need that. But like, it is important because it's your relationship with yourself. And you still have to treat yourself well. Like, it's kind of like good coaching and bad coaching. Like, I've had bad coaches that just like constantly yell at kids or like pull you out of games and like don't tell you why and just like aren't helping you. But I've also had great coaches that gave like really specific feedback and they really value the team culture and like they're very strategic and everything that they do. So, I, Really took that to heart and just thought, okay, well, how can I be a good boss to myself and like be a good business owner and be a good copywriter without feeling like I don't know what I'm doing? So I did have to take some time to reflect a little bit just because like I had never been in that position before. Like it's a pretty unique position to be in, but like once you get into the habit of things of like writing down all your goals and just being confident in like what you do and like finding a good network and be able to find resources when you need to like, that's, that's really key too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It definitely helps with that perseverance. I, I mean, I've seen it myself multiple times through uh, the stages of, of me and my growth and my evolution and my rebranding um, the, the needing for taking more time out for myself, taking more time out with my family, because at the end of the day, purpose does change over time. And so when it comes to branding, um, branding yourself, do you really feel like there was a, a a purpose shift in your life or do you feel like it was much more um, of something else?
1: Yeah, I would say it was purpose. It was a big purpose shift because I joined the sport. I, I started playing rugby in high school. Didn't really play in high school, but I joined the boys' team because there's no girls' team, didn't know what rugby was. So I was like, oh, this sounds fun. <laughs> and like I absolutely fell in love with the sport right away. I thought it was the coolest thing. So it 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 came into my life at a time where a lot was going on. And that was like the only positive thing in my life. So I used it as a distraction for a really long time. So then once I didn't have it anymore, it did feel like a void. <laughs> and and it was very very weird so i just kind of had to think about it in a way cuz i especially when i was younger like in my early 20s i think i did use rugby as a an external validation in a way to make me feel like i was doing something interesting um even though i genuinely really loved the sport but then as i got older i realized like okay like i absolutely love playing um but I've done as much as I can with the sport, like I've won a national championship, like I've gone to nationals a bunch of times, I played into a World Cup. So like, realistically, I can't do much else anyways. (laughs) But it was really cool to be able to grow within the sport as a person. And like as an adult growing up and be able to take that into my business, because it, it's still like, for me, like, I'm still like helping others. But it, it did feel really weird to come out and say like, oh, I'm a business owner. Like I can help you with this rather than sometimes hiding like the rugby persona, which I would do at networking events when I initially started out because I was so new at being a business owner, but I knew a lot about the sport. So I could just kind of talk about it instead. So I would, again, I would get in my own way because I was so used to being that, to showcasing that side of my personality rather than this new part. So like I had to learn to, talk more about the copyright and just like sell myself more because you, when you play a sport for so long, you end up being pretty secure and like that being part of you. And then when you have this other thing, it's just like, like I said before, it's almost like playing a character, but then you realize like, that's still you, like you're not a different person. It's just another aspect of who you are.
0: Another side of your, of your authentic self. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Uh, So, when you you figure that out, would you would you think that you going through the branding process of of redefining your purpose was that therapeutic to you? Did it help you? Uh, did it help you in any way possible? Or do you did you just say, "Hey, I'm just gonna go buy a random logo and say that it's done"? How did you kind of go <laughs> through that process?
1: I actually had a bit of a difficult time with branding just because like in the in the business course I did, they told me with branding, you want to still be yourself, put dial up your personality to an 11. I was like, well, I'm really quiet. Like, what does an 11 even sound like? That's like a two. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like on, on the other hand, too, like I didn't want to lean too much, like on the like on the rugby part of it and have like me in, uh in a dress and like holding a rugby ball. I felt like that was going way too far into it. So I really had to think about it for a long time. So I just started practicing. I like, I would just write and write and write. Like it was nothing that I ever published, um, but just to sound like myself again and how to like read things out loud. And I don't have a complicated logo. Like my, the reason my business is called MEO Marketing Group is because my full name is Melissa Melanda Oriana. And a lot of people can't pronounce it, let them spell it. So it was just easier to have the acronym but I can't design logos, uh, so I just left it as is, but I, the branding colors for me, like, do mean a lot to me, like, I know nobody would know this just from looking at my branding colors, because it's a lot of different shades of brown, and it's also white, because my parents are from Salvador, really little Central American country, and then we're mestizos, meaning that we're half indigenous, so the other half is primarily European, so that's why I have the various shades of brown, because, like, Latinos, we come in so many different colors, but, like, I'm also like European as well. So that's like very personal to me, but I know nobody would know that <laughs> I'm taking a look at my branding, but that's completely okay. Like being Salvadoran is a huge part of my personality. Everybody who knows me, like knows it's uh, Spanish is my first language. And I've never really, like I really wanted that to be part of my branding without it being very loud, I guess. So I was really happy that I was able to incorporate that into my business, even if it's not, something that most people would pick up on. <laughs> I just wanted it to be personal to me. Like I would love to have like a real legit logo, but I'm not a, I'm not a graphic designer, but you do learn a lot about yourself. And I definitely feel like your strengths and your weaknesses are amplified when you're a business owner, because it's it's all on you. So you have to decide, okay, I need to realize I need to be better about this or to realize like, okay, I'm good at this, but I need to maybe work on this other thing, for example. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So you you touched on a huge subject there, which was uh, which was the intangible side versus the tangible side. Which was you really touched on, um, you know, from the branding perspective, really going through that that personal that that personal uh, development side on who you're going to be, what your purpose was, what your mission was, the copywriting, how that's going to sound, how that's going to be, and that probably took you down a certain path that built you confidence. But you knew that, hey, I'm not a graphic designer, I'm not a creative director. Uh, and so you didn't go down um, the tangible path, which showcases that, in fact, branding in itself isn't just about the logo, you know? It's about finding yourself through the voice and the tone and, and the process of, of going through those those stages. And so a really beautiful story. Um, I I, I'm going to cut it off now because if not, we'll be on, we'll be on all day uh, and <laughs> we could talk about this all day, but why don't you tell everyone a little bit about where they can find you, um, a, a little bit about your, uh, possibly how they can reach out to you and, uh, things of that nature.
1: Yeah, Um, so you can find me on my website. That's www.meomarketinggroup.com. I'm also on Instagram. Um, if that's your preference to, to reach out to me. So that's instagram.com at MEO marketing group. And you can also send me an email that's on my website. And it's also on um Instagram. I do offer free website copy audits or sales page audits if anyone is interested in that. Um Basically what it is, I just offer a free PDF and then a Zoom call and we just talk about the copy on your website or on your sales page. But if you happen to have any other questions about copy, I love explaining it to people because most people, they, they don't know enough about it and they think they can't do it on their own, but it turns out they can, they just need a little bit of guidance.
0: <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Well, again, thank you for having, uh, for being on and maybe here again in the future, we'll have you on for a second. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. Thanks. For having me. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of the brand power analysis. You can uh, watch us on all the major platforms and every Tuesdays. um, We'll also be putting this out on multiple uh, YouTube, and you can find us at Creative uh, through YouTube. So, thanks again for everyone for joining us.